got a funny story. I love funny stories. Mr. and Mrs. Egetti mm. got a divorce. What happened? Mrs. Egetti chose Mr. Quackers, the city boy. Oh, so they've coupled. Totally. And they leave him behind, and he's all by himself, and he hangs out over by our door a lot more. Yeah. And they're off in the pond by themselves, or they're off over in the orchard pecking away at snails, or who knows what they're getting at. I've seen it happen. Mr. Quackers is hard to resist because of his yeah, yarmulke type of beanie situation. He's got this special hairdo, man. Like, he's got this. It's an interesting thing to watch well, animals coupling. There's and then a, There's a lesson to be learned because here. Because they were coupled until he showed up. Yeah. They were totally coupled until he showed up. And he up. was odd man out for a little while while he uh-huh. established, like, uh-huh. this is going to be my cool vibe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then she ultimately <laughs> couldn't resist his beanie. <laughs> I'm definitely going to order us ducks when we order chicks in September. September. Yeah. Always an adventure on its way at Dinner Table Talks. Oh, yeah. It's been a trip around here. Of course, you can listen to the podcast on YouTube. We upload it a day or two after each episode drops on Monday. Yeah. And if you're trying to share the podcast with people, a really easy way is to give them a link directly to the YouTube video. Sure. And then if they like it and they're podcast listeners, then they can start listening to it on a podcast platform. And they can find all the different platforms in the show notes on YouTube. Yeah. So after the episode is posted to the podcast world, mm-hmm. I then have to make another MP3 of the entire podcast, make a YouTube correct ratio thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Run that through Adobe mm-hmm. and then upload the MP4 to YouTube. And it's just a process, right? And yeah. I'm like, I've already done this podcast once, you know. <laughs> so after we had done it for many weeks in a row, there was just a lull where we didn't do it for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then we kicked it back up again. Mm-hmm. And now what I'm doing is going back to those older episodes and doing that process for the whole that we have there. Mm-hmm. The one that I just did mm-hmm. is the one where we didn't have a script. Which we've only done one time. No piece of paper in front of us. No real talk about what we're going to talk about. That's kind of what we're doing tonight. I was going to say, we don't have a script in front of us. We don't. (laughs) But we ate before we recorded. And now it's a little later than normal. We watched Ted Lasso, but I've quit watching TV just because it's been a rough month. And I'm looking for all the ways I can to get rid of my traditional numbing things. Yeah. And try to figure out what it is about... The challenge of this month that is really speaking to me and Mm -hmm. what it is that I'm supposed to be learning about what's going on. It was interesting to sit down and watch TV because it's been several days and I like it because I've seen myself in the recent months really be able to change massive things in my life by simply just deciding to give up some silly waste of time addictions. Yeah. It took me a few days to figure out this decision that you'd made about TV. Of course, you cut alcohol out because of the AIP diet. Well, no, that's not true. I had already pretty much quit drinking before the, I started the AIP diet. I just completely cut it out when right. the AIP diet started. Alcohol, TV, drugs. All of them. Sex. <laughs> well, I'm making a list of things that are commonly thought to be addictions. Oh, you know, if yeah. you think of addiction, you think well, of those I don't things. buy that. I don't buy that. I participate in a thing called recovery dharma and mm-hmm. it's about all all the addictions we're all the worldly addictions like everything that we use to distract from the suffering that we have to learn to be grateful for just like we're grateful for the joyful things that occur in our lives yeah i think the point i was trying to make was that we almost lean on that short list we could make it a lot longer of the things that people commonly call addiction shopping sugar yeah video games Basically, it's anything we can do to ignore our pain. Someone said today on a post that I'd made about anxiety and worry and how when you're really freaked out about something or scared about something, you just spend a lot of time worrying because you might think that if you don't worry, then you're Worrying feels like doing something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so what ends up happening though, is when you're worrying and anxious, you're actually blocking like the true most helpful decisions. Mm -hmm. And the person posted, I needed this post today because I feel like my worrying has come into place for the alcohol that I gave up. And she said, then interestingly enough, it's probably why I drank so much alcohol is because I I worried so much because I didn't, you know, because we don't want to face our pain. We don't, we don't want to look at our pain 
And it seems counterintuitive to say, I have to face the pain and be real about the pain and stay focused on the moment. And the real, is the pain that I'm dealing with real? Am I actually in pain right now? Because that's been a big part of this last month for me. Because the truth is, is that while this major cash flow issue is happening in our lives, I am doing really well with my business. I'm in springtime. Mm -hmm. Springtime is like the time of year when my produce is increased. Yes, people are looking for me. But in addition to that, just it's a lot of things have changed in terms of even talking about last week, the value that people are placing on my knowledge. Right. You can tell that it has changed. Right. And I've not really been without anything important during this entire time of this challenge. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but like a lot of friends are being very helpful and supportive. My family is very helpful Mm -hmm. and supportive through this time, you know, that we're going through. I'm having to, one of the biggest universal lessons that I'm having here, and I'd love to hear what some of the universal lessons you're having here are, is that in this moment... Am I actually in pain in this moment? Is worrying about the future going to help me in any way? And in this moment, is freaking out and throwing the baby out with the bathwater, is that going to actually be the best solution to the problem? Or should I, as my friend Dr. LaDonna said when we had a chance to talk, it sounds to me like you're letting the waters calm. I'm trying to let the waters calm repeatedly. And here's the other thing. My daily spiritual practices have been hugely helpful mm-hmm. because every morning I get up and I start the day again. Every day, it's a new day. And every night when I go to bed, I go back to bed in prayer and just say, God, protect me in my sleep. And tomorrow morning, we're going to get up and we're going to start over again. And tomorrow morning, we're going to face a new set of joys and challenges, right? So the interesting thing about facing the TV at this point in my life is that I want to know what it would feel like to truly begin just stripping away all of the numbing devices and taking it to God and letting go of my control of every little issue. And it's been rough. It's been rough to do it. It's been rough to face that. It's been rough to face the adversities, you know, because this isn't a thing I'm going through by myself. This is a, a household thing that's happening. And I'm, I'm curious to know how is the suffering affecting you? You mentioned Recovery Dharma group a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Recovery Dharma is different than the 12-step programs. It's a different program based in the Buddhist religion rather than the Christian religion. But it's also very much, it states very much that it's not about religion. It's that doesn't really have anything to do with it. So we read this book and if you don't go every week, then you don't get the progression of the book, but you still get a group to talk through and talk with. One of the things I think that is interesting about this group, it basically faces the two different types of addictions that you might be dealing with. It calls it renunciation. And it says, we understand addiction to describe the overwhelming craving and compulsive use of substances or behaviors in order to escape present time reality, either by clinging to pleasure or running from pain. For those of us recovering from process addictions, particularly those of which complete abstinence is not possible, we also identify and commit to wise boundaries around our harmful behaviors, preferably with the help of a mentor or a therapeutic professional. So it's saying that there are addictive substances that you need to have abstinence from. And then there are process addictions, which are going to be challenging to have complete abstinence from. Yeah, I didn't understand why you were going to a recovery group for a while, because I know you not to be an alcoholic or a drug abuser. Yeah, every time someone had asked me, why do you go to recovery? I would say, because I'm recovering from the world. Well, this past (laughs) month has been ultra challenging in ways that, in ways that I'm not even ready to talk about. But you asked, what have I learned? Or what am I taking away from it? I picked your book up. Mm-hmm. And here in the introduction, as you say, this program leads to recovery from addiction to substances like alcohol and drugs, right? Mm-hmm. We can also become addicted to sex, gambling, technology, work, codependence, shopping, food, media, self-harm, lying, stealing, obsessive worrying. 
Obsessive worrying. Uh-huh. Addictions are behaviors that keep you from recognizing that your pain, that suffering mm-hmm. is a part of life. Mm-hmm. And that when you face that suffering is a part of life, you are willing to let go of your separate self. So like one of them might be self-harm. That was one of the first ones where I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, self-harm has been a thing that I've carried through my whole life. Like control, being in control of everything. That might be your addiction, the things you're dealing with. And that's not something that you can just, I'm going to stop being in control. Not like you can say, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. Now you may shift to something else because really your addiction is control. The last several months have been cause for higher levels in me of introspection. It's well documented here at the dinner table that you are highly introspective and have been for years. Mm -hmm. But I haven't. I don't exactly know why. People close to me, including yourself, are, you sure can spin your wheels in the mud of the why and not move forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It can become an addiction to the analysis of why am I a victim? And you don't even recognize that you're playing a victim, but now you're playing Mm -hmm. a victim. Mm -hmm. I've lived a life I've learned about myself, not being introspective. I don't think that you have the coping skills to deal with pain. And so you just simply don't face anything that feels... Yeah, I told a friend that recently, one of my best friends recently, that I've built a life of thick fortresses around some center of myself that is filled with those kinds of things. Pain, worry, negative experiences. I push them in deep, I lock them down tight, and I put on a show as best I can. But it shows to people that are close to you. Yes. People that live with you can see it in all of... I kept saying your tone, your aura. Or cracks in the wall where you get a peek of what might be inside there. But I, from the top down, am not looking in. I Mm -hmm. think that I'm learning so much about myself in all of this. You said that you were catching up with older videos. And it's fascinating that the YouTube video that came out this week in the catch-up was the episode from the week that your mom had passed. Which would have been like last December. Right. You know, and I did kind of wonder throughout this whole time, like, has he really grieved? Has he? Like, I don't know that I've seen him grieve. I don't know if I'm capable of grief. You're absolutely capable of grief. (laughs) I don't know that the current model of Joe is capable of grief. You have to grieve. And and Grieving is a part of the whole whole process of life. And doesn't mean that we have to... I'm talking to... about an ind- indication of that fortress around the pain that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the current model of Joe. I see, to put it as gently as possible, <laughs> arrested development because of some of the wounding and some of the other things that we've talked about in the past, which is why I've repeatedly said, you need a therapist. People need therapists, not to say that everybody needs to go to the therapist once a week for the rest of their life, but the idea that like we go through things that we need objective people to talk to this about. And you always come to me and I'm not objective. I see you and I'm the person that's going to be able to be the most honest with you, but you don't want, you don't want to necessarily hear the honesty. You come to me to give the non-objective advice to me as much as I go to you for it. But no, you're absolutely correct. It is the... Well, I have to live with you and like live life and do things and be a Mm -hmm. partner with you. And we do a lot of things together. We have a lot of... We keep our life very close together because we enjoy each other. I don't know if I've verbalized an answer to your earlier question. What is the takeaway? You've quit TV because you're excising the things that are getting in the way of at least you analyzing and feeling... Important things that require full attention. Yeah. And I just really want to, I want to spend my time focusing on different things. And I realize that I need to do the same thing with some other behaviors, not TV. Although as you've made this decision, I've watched less TV because that was just a thing we do. Go plop down in front of the TV together. I should go to bed now. Yeah, that's the truth. It's the truth. I'm looking at my watch when you make your announcement and I'm like... It's getting earlier and earlier. It's just... I think last time I said, have I lost you? Okay. Good night. Yeah. 
I get up in the morning and I get you, on with my day. Do you want me to come with you? No. Okay. It's Goodbye. not a bad thing. Like I, I, I really like it. I, and I've found, I'm finding it interesting that the more worldly things I quit, the better I feel about the things that I love, the worldly things I do that I love. You know, my gardens look amazing. They really do. And the content I'm creating for social media is just way better and more thoughtful. And I'm spending a lot more time with God. I'm definitely doing better meditations, longer meditations. I'm being very, very purposeful about making sure that I'm focused on whatever the lesson of the day from my Course Mm -hmm. of Miracles study is. It's I meant to tell you. Part of your spiritual daily practice that you do early in the morning is Qigong. We've talked about it here. Mm-hmm. And I'm delighted to do it with you. It's uh, Yeah. I've enjoyed going out this spring on the porch and doing it outside and watching the rabbit right. and the duck, Mr. Egan E by himself. I had a moment and I wanted to share it with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to post one of the Qigong or a couple maybe mm-hmm. on our Dinner Table Talks Facebook mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. It's, good. it's a good practice, you guys. What we use is like a 10 minute maybe yeah. 15 yeah. and it's a, a woman mm-hmm. Cassini and she's French I think so when you do it for a while you notice she uses the same moves yes. often yes. but then sometimes you do something very different yeah my favorite one is to take your hands and interlace your fingers and you start kind of at your belly button. Mm-hmm. So you're making a circle with your arms like a basket. Mm-hmm. And then you go up to above your head and you turn your palms now. Still your fingers are interlocked. Your palms are facing the sky. Mm-hmm. And you stretch up like, as if you're trying to pull yourself up off of the ground. You're trying to stretch up. Mm-hmm. And I had a moment this morning where it all made sense. Yeah. The whole notion of energy flowing through the body. Yeah. And then about that time, Mrs. Easter Bunny, the lone rabbit that lives either under our house or under the uh, world's most fancy outhouse. Yes. Was putting on a show for us. Totally. She it loves was me. wonderful. She hangs out. <laughs> we have a pet Easter Bunny that lives under our house, you guys. Look at our Facebook for Qigong this week. And some information about the Recovery Dharma group, if that's something that you yeah, would be interested in. I think we did okay in. without a script for this first part. Sure. We said that we had dinner just a little while ago. I want to tell everybody what we had. AIP Chicken Florentine. Yes, it was very good. We got a chance to go to the farmer's market this week. Yes. And upgrade our meat. Loaded up on meat. Because we'd been eating a whole lot of ground pork. So you got a chicken. Okay, what can we make with chicken? And you said chicken noodle soup. And I was like... It's easy. Yeah. And I said, no, let me figure something else out. Yes. So I did a search. I think I put chickens and onion AIP, which by the way, you guys, if you haven't figured out how really easy it is to find recipes online, you just put in two or three words of things you're trying to come up with and then scroll until you find something that sounds like something you want to try. I think you just taught everybody how to use the internet. <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> is that how you search for things? Wow. <laughs> I know that that sounds funny, but I, people ask me questions about that kind of stuff all the time. And I'm like, just put in the words of the food that you have. What do you have in your refrigerator? You've got ground pork and carrots, put ground pork and carrots, AIP diet and see what comes up. What do you think I did with my whole chicken? I put it in my instant pot. Mm-hmm. And then you helped me. Thank you so much. Debone the chicken, got the meat over on one bowl. And then in my skillet, I got some olive oil and I put the cooked chicken in just to get a little char on the bottom of the cast iron and get a little char on the chicken itself. Move it over to a plate. Then I put in my mushrooms, some of your green onions, and then another small onion of yours. 10, 15 onions. It's onion season, you guys. Yeah, the onions coming in are so amazing. Mm. And that just fills up that house with that delicious aroma. But then once my mushrooms and onions are soft, I add my garlic, some chicken stock that we make, and some coconut milk. Of course, the AIP user's best friend. Mm-hmm. Simmer that for a bit. Then I'm diluting my arrowroot. We've talked about arrowroot before. Arrowroot is a gluten-free thickener like tapioca starch is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to use to thicken into a gravy broth and coconut milk that's thin, you're going to use arrowroot or kosova or tapioca. Those are all AIP approved. Mm -hmm. A little arrowroot, add some water, make a little slurry, pour it in. It thickens up. You're sitting next to me pretty much all night tasting as we go. Add your chicken back in to get it reheated and then add a bunch of spinach, then turn off the heat. 
let the spinach wilt in the non-cooking gravy that you've made. You suggested we throw this over noodles, but you found a box of AIP-approved orzo. Yes. That we had had in the yes, pantry. and we hadn't used it yet, and we hadn't tried that yet. So it was that over orzo. And I thought the orzo, I thought it was great. I thought it was a perfect combo. It was like one of those magical things where we made this amazing dish that you could have eaten at any great Italian food restaurant and wouldn't have even known you were eating something that's actually extremely healthy for you. Really, really good. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Unanswered questions. So the series that seems to be going on right now is come up um, out of nowhere. Is uh is Joe and Joe's psychological um, uh, <laughs> undoing. <laughs> so tell it's us, a Joe. Fifty-two week series. <laughs> I would. I would Infinitum. say. If if I had to say, uh, based on how long it's taken me to heal or do the healing, even to where the point that I've mm-hmm. gotten to today, it's going to be many, 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 many more weeks than fifty-two weeks. I thought last week's conversation, where you just asked me to talk generally about my adoption, was actually pretty cathartic. And listening back to it, I thought it was pretty darn interesting. Well, good. So tell me. The unanswered question from last week was, tell me a little bit more about how it feels to be an adopted kid. What, what was it like to how be How does it feel kid? to be a girl? How does it feel to be a boy? How does it feel to be... I can tell you things based on... I can give you my judgments and observations as I compare myself to a male, as I compare myself now. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good thing. I did not live a lifetime comparing <laughs> myself to bios biological kids bios i never i made that up i never (laughs) compared myself to anything i said last week that my parents did the right thing in letting me know from birth like just you're adopted what does adopted mean why is it the right thing though why because if you don't know anything different then why is it the right thing because you already said you didn't know anything because different about being you're gonna adopted. do a 23andMe and find out later in life that you're adopted, and that's gonna be extremely painful because you've been lied to your entire life. Hmm. Is the only answer that I can quickly come up with. But because they did it that way, again, like I said last week, my anecdote, my story is that it allowed me to not give it any thought. But that's the thing that I think is really interesting about you in this conversation we were having earlier. Is it like did you give much of anything much thought? <laughs> like, did you, like, what, I don't what, know. I don't think that, a, I, don't, I don't think that an adopted kid has got a duty to themselves to fret over this truth about themselves. Well, fretting isn't necessarily, you don't have to fret to look I into don't, things. I don't understand in this case, what would be the thing I would obsess is not the right word, but give consistent thought to just question, look into, like be curious about, well, how it would affect you psychologically. You know, what, what's the, what's the thing that helps you? I mean, because people that are adopted look into their biological parents because they want to know things about their upbringing their inheritance like where did they come from or their health or genetics or right all kinds of things i never did that okay so let's back up just to where this conversation started where Mm. the unanswered question started the unanswered question was how do you feel about being adopted Mm -hmm. and since then we've heard you say obsessed fret and frightening experience so it sounds to me like just painful experience Yeah, painful experience. It sounds to me like the simple introspection of thinking about and digging into and just kind of feeling how it might feel to consider, hey, you know what? I'm an adopted person and that makes me different. And what is it about that actually has a negative connotation for you? The simple introspection of it is scary to you, is negative to you, is what I'm hearing. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of the episode. What have I learned in this past month and really several months? That you have a fear of introspection. I never said the word fear, but let's go with that. I have a lack of. I don't do it. But why don't you do it? I think that if I knew the answer to that, I'd be halfway home. But rather, I'm really trying not to get stuck in the why of it. Okay, fine. But sometimes the why helps you get an awareness. 
And simply, one of the biggest things that I've been telling you in our relationship that I have found is that you put up walls. I've said that earlier. And barriers and boundaries. You block yourself off from feeling. And I don't want to do that anymore. But you don't. You, You block yourself off from feeling. So inside your mind, you're not expressing any feelings about things. But everything about you and someone that lives with you and experiences life with you can see see it it all over you, can feel it all from you. It comes out of every word that you say, right? So this is an interesting side of simply why would somebody look into adoption and how they feel about adoption, giving it space to just exist inside of you, knowing that is part of the story that is Joe. But here's the thing that I think about wholeness and oneness and that we are not separate from God. And that is that while that entity has these interesting stories, that's not who you are. Who you are is whole and perfect and love and all of the good things that have nothing to do with fear of introspection and feelings and concern about even fretting about all feelings and kind of what the I feel. The choices of words are interesting. Have you been introspective about this topic? Mm-hmm. Why would I fret about that? That is what I said. Mm-hmm. Why would I obsess about that? That is what I said. Mm-hmm. And one experience that you can pinpoint, if you got 23 and me, that would be a painful experience. So like, And again, that's my point of view on it. Let me try to answer the question. I have an idea. Let and me- your first response to your brother is, what, what do, do you, you want? Right. Everything about it actually sounds negative. It's like, I was born, I was adopted, end of story, we're not talking about it anymore. And that just seems okay, pretty... I'm going to try to answer the question as best I can, but I think there's an opportunity for something interesting to happen here. How do I feel about being adopted? I currently am ambivalent, I guess, about it. It is what it is, exactly as you just said. Mm-hmm. I am. Can't change that. Has that then, over the course of my life, been the exclamation point, the, the finality that is the barrier to introspection? Perhaps. I don't think that it has to be anything negative. I think just simply... I'm saying I haven't been introspective about it, but I have reached the conclusion that I'm completely okay with it, but I haven't been introspective about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe you wouldn't find anything except that you're completely okay with it. But the idea of looking into this is an opportunity for you to look into... Well, why don't I introspect about things? I don't think I'm alone in the world doing no, this. No, absolutely not. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing that people agreed. don't introspect and agreed. don't. I'm not putting a judgment. I'm not going to put a feel. judgment on the thing at all. What I'm saying is not being alone in this. Someone listening is the same way as me, or has someone in their life that is the same way as me. I guess the first thing one would do is address: Are you fearful? to be introspective about this specific topic. Mm -hmm. On its surface, I say, no, I'm not fearful to be introspective. Rather, my rebuttal is, I don't know how. I said that earlier in the episode. It is a new mechanism. It is a new machine. And I would assume that a qualified therapist or a licensed counselor, et cetera, could walk one through how to do this. Right. How to look inside, how how to go into your inner child and begin to ask your inner child some questions about how your inner child feels about... But I don't mind being an example here at the dinner table on how to do that. And I think that if I learn, quote unquote, how to do it with this topic, that would benefit me to do it with many other topics. Because at the beginning of the episode, when I said, I have built these barriers, I have built this fortress to keep all the bad stuff down deep inside... And it's not exactly who I want to be. I don't think it's a whole person. That's the conclusion that I've come to. So changing from that is intimidating simply because I don't know how. The fascinating thing about it is that when you are willing not to look in so that you can stay stuck in the pain of it, right? That's not the idea. The idea is to let it... About this topic. I don't. However, I will acknowledge that I have built this fortress that where the pain might be hidden, the pain might be unknown, the pain may be something that I have never looked at. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you're going to find pain. Right. I'm saying that when you start to open things up and become aware of what makes you tick, 
what makes you make the choices you make, what triggers you. Why, why, why does this particular thing trigger me? And you go in and you start looking at some things inside of you. You begin to understand why those characteristics have become priority values of who you are today. And some of them you don't like about yourself. You've said that over the past episodes. You've said that to me, some of the ways you prioritize life, you don't like it about yourself and you want to change it. Correct. The thing that's best about all of that is that when you do that, it affects everyone around you in a positive way because we're all interconnected. We're all one and everyone is tapped into and connected to the consciousness that you are involved in as well. And so everyone becomes a little bit more aware of how we feel. You don't have to feel pain to look inside and recognize what you do feel. The fact that you feel nothing is real. I guess I real. equate introspection with pain for some reason. Exactly. Why do I do that? Exactly. Don't know. See, that's the thing. Introspection could be, oh, that's why I'm the happy little joyful child that is a 50 year old man now. That's why. Oh, that's a good thing. I want to hang on to that. The introspection I've done that's gotten me to understand like, Why do I love being this silly little redheaded, rainbow stripe wearing loudmouth? Because that's who little Aislinn always wanted to be. And until little Aislinn gets to be who little Aislinn wants to be, I project my negativity and my sadness and my pain on everyone else around me because I can't be who I am purposed to be in this particular life. And that's all that matters. Well, here's a couple thoughts here. Number one, the Joe's mental deterioration. What did you say earlier? I don't know. (laughs) That might be a series. Joe's mental introspection. Okay. (laughs) I think that's a nice way to say it. Thank you. Let's look inside. We're going to open up the box. Be (laughs) careful. (laughs) And number two, it seems important for me to say that we happened to be talking about adoption when we intersected with introspection. We might have been talking about anything else, and I probably would have reacted exactly the same way. Everything happens exactly as it's supposed to. That is 100% about what I've learned about my intuition, about alignment with doing what it is that I'm intended and we're intended to be doing on this planet. Everything aligns if you're going with your purpose. So it doesn't surprise me even remotely the synchronicities. Okay, well, this is way too much attention on me. So last night at the dinner table, I said... I want us to be sure that we're being as authentic as we possibly can mm-hmm. about what's being talked about at the dinner table, right? Yeah. And it's been, you know, a challenging week and I've talked about there being challenges with cash flow. I said, "What if we talk about the cost of food?" Because the diet that we're on, the fact that we shop at the farmers market, the natural grocers, a yes, bougie natural grocers, thrive market, oh boy, all of the places that we buy food from, mm-hmm. and that we've bought food this way our entire relationship. And I bought food this way before I met you. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you got the initial sticker shock of what that type of food costs compared to the industrial system. Exactly. And so then it had to become a justification Mm -hmm. at the beginning of why do I do it this way? And of course, the justifications get better and better every year as we begin to understand more about why these things, which is why we talked about the autoimmune protocol diet for seven weeks. And then we talked about regenerative agriculture for three weeks. It gets us to this idea that like, we know that the cost of food and the convenience and the investment of the time of us cooking and all of those things are an important part of the conversation of why people eat the American diet. I said, if American you want to diet. live a healthy life, you have to have a reintroduction to your time in the kitchen. There is no other way. I don't know how one would argue with that. A life of fast food or takeout from restaurants is just not going to be as healthy an option for you. That's such a strange thing to me because I remember when I was a kid, even though we were of the Gen X latchkey fast food generation, Mm -hmm. the first generation to eat fast food McDonald's, Mm -hmm. we didn't eat out very often when I was young. I mean, we ate out a little bit more often the older we got as my parents, you know, started being able to afford to eat out a little bit more. We ate out a little bit more. And then as fast food became more available, like the more restaurants that were available. My memory is the exact same thing Mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, just the three of us, we ate out 
all of the time at when the end older. of my high school. Yeah. And then when every time when I'd come back, we from never college. ate out all of the time, all of the time. Yeah, no, that was not a thing. And, I, and you know what? When I met you, you ate out all of the time. And I was like, you eat out all of the time. And you were almost always going out to dinner with your parents. Yeah. You and the kids would go to it dinner with your parents. It was one of the funnest things to do. <laughs> they died very unhealthily. <laughs> uh, uh, anecdotal right there. I think, though, that you have to say out loud that if you go organic... As purposefully as you can, you already know you're going to be spending more money for the same apples to apples project. Apples well, to apples. Well, even if you just buy fresh food, you're going to, it's going to go up in the price compared to, and it was interesting because I was talking to Cortland about this one day and I was like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Organic, why does organic food cost more money? It should cost less money because there should be less inputs into your garden, into your vegetable production, to your mm -hmm. grain production. If you actually do it organically, well, talking to Cortland, I said, why would it be more expensive? I just, I still don't understand why it'd be more expensive to buy the watermelon than to buy the watermelon that's cut up or the watermelon that's turned into dried, you know, or whatever. But if you're turning the watermelon into watermelon sugar candy, somehow it's less expensive, mm -hmm. I, you know, and that's because it's not really watermelon and it's not shelf stable, right? And so what he said was, you lose product. Watermelons are going to rot. A bag of sugar is going to stay on a shelf yeah. for an extended period of time. So that means that they're not going to have as much waste that they have to deal with. I'm over at Natural Grocers. I've been going to the grocery store more recently mm -hmm. and helping out with that a little bit and just, you know, managing that side of stuff in our life a little bit more. Looking at the prices again, and I'm going, this is really interesting. Then I was thinking about us going to the farmer's market and yeah. buying that chicken and buying a steak. And buying... I, I spent $75 mm -hmm. on five packages of meat at the farmer's market. The farmer's market is where we obtain our meat. Mm -hmm. From the moment that I met you, yeah. I eat clean meat. Yeah. I have to know where the farmer grew the meat, how the animals were handled, what they ate. I will not eat chicken, period, if I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. And period. all you have to do, Joe, you telling me this, is watch some YouTube videos <laughs> on where chicken comes from. How the chicken is treated, how the chicken is handled. That was just the beginning the of the chicken... conversation. Right. Yeah. And so that's a commitment that we've made to ourselves. Well, and what I will say about this time period and us watching the budget and us, okay, we've got some cash to go buy gas and groceries. We're going to go to the farmer's market and we're going to get us a chicken. We're going to get us a steak. We're going to get us some beef stew meat, beef stew meat and two packages of chicken wings. In the past, it might've been easier for me to say, oh, just make a vegetarian dish tonight. We don't have to have the meat, right? Mm -hmm. But right now I'm on the AIP diet yeah. and that's an extremely important calorie for me in order to get enough calories based right. on the way I'm eating right now. Right. You know, this is our lifestyle, right? We've been doing the, we've got tips and tricks to how to do these things because we've been doing it together for 10 years and I've been doing it for, you know, 15 yeah, or 20 years. If you tell years. me that the cash flow has kind of decreased a little bit, I can go to the grocery store and shop for us and just spend less money. Because I know how to shop for us really, really well. Right. Well, in addition to that, our freezers are full of ground pork, right. wild pork, because we processed a wild hog. Back in episode 4.23. Right. Which was nine weeks ago, 10 weeks ago by the time this comes out. I never would have thought that the hog that we processed and put, and I, we go into great detail about how we do it, and put in the freezer would become so important. Well, the whole point of doing that is food to sustain you, food so that you can cut, mm -hmm. decrease your budget of meat at the farmer's market so that you can, I mean, the meat we're doing here on the farm with the rabbits and eventually the chickens and, you know, all of it is to get us to the point where we can decrease the cost of, of the those store. things. And if there was ever a situation where the grocery store was down and we couldn't go to the grocery store, the farmer's market would- We're the, covered for a bit, yeah. We have- the food to eat. Mm -hmm. We also have a freezer full of chicken broth because every time you buy an expensive chicken or yeah. what other people consider an expensive chicken. The chicken that I purchased, I don't mind saying, is $17, a whole frozen chicken. Mm -hmm. And that makes two meals because you Minimally. divide it up to two meals. And but then, then, yes, I make broth with it every single time. And then take all those bones and make broth. So we've got a freezer full of meat 
fish that my brother catches for us, the wild hog. We usually have some venison in there. My parents have a freezer full of meat. I work very diligently about preparing my life for making sure that if there's ever a cut of access to being able to get groceries, I've got groceries. I've got food. Yeah, it's interesting. When you started the farmer's market and I became a full-time weekly shopper there, it has been amazing watching us buy less and less produce mm -hmm. because of what you're growing. Mm -hmm. We walk around the farmer's market. I have that come out of the ground. I need to buy it. Out. We don't need any vegetables. Yep. Oh, look, there's a thing that I'm not growing. Let's mm -hmm. just get some of that for variety. Or my stuff's not ready and I'm eating a lot of that right, right now. So but like, meat, like beets is a good example. But meat we get still because yes. that's our primary way to do it. Yes. I just mentioned $17 for a whole chicken. One of our guests might be thinking, shit, it's six bucks, seven bucks, eight bucks for a whole chicken at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I won't even that's eat that double. chicken. That's double. Double or more? Oh my God, that's so bougie. They must be so wealthy. No, it's about that commitment that we've made and the reasons why we've made it. And actually, the true autoimmune protocol diet is pasture-raised chicken, pasture-raised pork, grass-fed, mm -hmm. no grain-fed. Removing all of the things in the chicken that you're trying to avoid. Exactly. For why you made this decision to, mm -hmm. to begin with. Mm -hmm. What amazes me is the resistance to this. Well, I would never spend that much money on a chicken. Especially from people that carry, and I'm not even kidding, people that carry like Louis Vuitton bags and get Botox and everything. And I'm not trying to pick on those things. I'm just saying, if you can afford that, then why wouldn't you have choose the bougiest food? Well, let's just talk can, about that for a you minute. You go to the bougiest restaurants, I bet. Let's you talk know? about that for a minute. <laughs> why would we think that it's better for us to buy the cheaper, let's just pick on chicken for the rest of the episode the cheaper chicken at the grocery store and that the more expensive chicken at the farmer's market is a dumb use of money. Why would we think that? I don't know. Cause I because don't think that's like that. what they've trained us to think. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think like that. Cause that's what they've trained us to think. Yeah. If they can keep presenting food as cheap, then we'll continue thinking food should be cheap. I don't buy the $17 chicken because I enjoy spending $17 on a chicken. I don't mind. My friend, I, I literally give money to my friends and I'd rather give it to them than somebody. Who knows. But I'm talking about Ooh. the system. See, you and I understand the local food network and how important it is. Yeah, it keeps people in our community in business. But it also keeps people in our community fed. Well, yeah, all the time. With good food worth yeah. eating. Clean food. Real food. Mm-hmm. I said that word. See, this is where the feathers will start to bristle out there. Are you sure? I don't think our audience bristles as much as you might think they do. Oh, so I'm just talking to the choir right now? Oh, we're talking to the choir right now. I, I disagree with you. <laughs> I disagree with you. I know some people that listen. Well, then that makes me feel good because I would love to know I'm not talking to the choir all the time. No, I think here's the thing. If we're not talking to the choir, we're talking to people that should be in the choir and know that they should be in the choir. Ooh. Right? Now you've gone to meddling, sir. See, I, I, thought <laughs> I rustled some feathers. <laughs> bananas are 50 cents a pound. Regular bananas. Organic bananas are 80 cents a pound. Well, 80, 50 cents, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. No, it's not. But apply that to every bit of food. So now we're getting into steak, uh -huh. chicken, as we said. Uh -huh. It is just more expensive. But it's a matter, in, if I look back at it again, it's a matter of what do you choose to spend your money on? What do you value? Well, that's that. I value food. Food is medicine. As a matter of fact, I'm doing coaching sessions right now. Uh -huh. Food is medicine, and I can help you out. Clearly, if you need cannot me. cannot stress enough how many people have reacted so positively to the whole AIP conversation. Mm -hmm. And so that your coaching on that now only makes sense because if you go back to the first couple of weeks or maybe the week before, mm -hmm. as we're about to go to New Orleans and can't eat anything, we were confused as hell. Yeah. And I was making lists and what can I eat? having to go to restaurant but, chefs. But and... yeah, so, but getting back to the core of where I think where we're trying to go is that when I go to the grocery store now, and I know I'm trying to spend a little bit less money than we might have before. Right, right. We're managing our cash flow. It is... Tighter than we normally do. Let's put The it that bare way. minimum of what I know that we need, which is a ton of fruit. My coconut yogurt. $5 for four cups. Mm-hmm. 
My kombucha is an expense. Three something a bottle. But we're not buy beer. We don't buy beer and sodas. I really don't. I don't well, we keep buy, beer at the house. Uh, we buy LaCroix. But we're not buying like other types of like entertainment food. No. And kombucha is not exactly an entertainment food, but it is for me. I went to this great prayer group circle. It was supposed to be a sweat lodge, but the wind was too high to build the fire inside the tent. And so when I sat down next to a woman and we started talking and she was into the fact that I had kombucha and then she started talking about some of her issues. And then before you know it, in the middle of the prayer circle, she was talking about that she must have come to the meeting to sit next to me and meet me. And I thought that it was really funny that she talked about the kombucha and she said, well, how much do you drink? And I was like, oh, I drink kombucha like it's a soda. I drink like a whole bottle almost every day. And she's like, oh, I can barely get through like a little bit of it. And I was like, eventually you'll get to where it's like the sugar you drink, you know, and you'll be like, yay. It doesn't have any sugar in it, the version I bring. And I told her, I pulled the bottle out and I was like, if you're going to do AIP, if you're going to deal with the leaky gut part of it, then you need to get GT brand because it doesn't have sugar in it. But how much are those? I mean, they're five bucks. No. 3.30. 3.30. A piece. You would think that I would know that. 3.58 maybe a piece. But here's the other thing. We're not eating out at all. Oh, yeah. But AIP kind of prohibits you from being right. able to do so. Yeah. That, I did tell somebody that the other day that like I'm not missing out on going out to eat because we weren't going out to eat anyway. No. Right? Mm-mm. You know? And I'm not missing out on like going to the bar and having a cocktail because I you wasn't having cut, that you anyway. You kind of cut that out. Yeah. Uh, the essentials at the grocery store, I get in and out of there now for about 75 bucks. Then the last time you and I went to the grocery store, I was like, yeah, the grocery store has been about 75 bucks, but you with me (laughs) shot it up to about 120. Mm. It's making choices. We buy all of that expensive fruit that people are like, why would I spend that much on organic blueberries? I'm like, because I don't buy a lot of other things. We buy organic blueberries. We buy organic blackberries. We well, buy the AIP diet requires you to eat organic anytime that you can. Anytime it's, it's available. Yeah. Chemicals and the reason why people choose to eat organic, the chemicals and the pesticides and the herbicides that are applied liberally to the, the fruit section of the store might kind of be making you sick and making you have a leaky gut. When I said earlier that I couldn't understand why organic food would be more expensive than non-organic food when actually you use less amendments and the the things that you have to pay for are actually less. And you did a Google, you said, Alexa, why is organic food more expensive than non-organic food? And basically the answer was because the amendments are actually more expensive. And I was like, that's because the organic industry, and this is what a lot of people have been trying to say, is that the organic industry isn't sustainable as it promotes itself to be. And the reason why a lot of people are like, oh, organic, that's a crock. Well, the thing about it is, is that the organic industrial is not really what would be considered organic. The industrial system is still the industrial system, Mm -hmm. right? It's better. What is your theory as to why it's more expensive? Oh, it's more expensive because of scale. That was my thought. But because organic food is fresh and it turns over faster. It turns over faster. And it usually has a shorter shelf life on it. Right. For reasons of, well, they've put less chemicals in it. organic apple rots faster at the house than non-organic apple. Because they put wax on the apple. They do things to it. If an apple in its natural state rots as fast as an organic apple, Mm -hmm. what's in your apple? (laughs) Really, that's what we're talking about. That's part of what we're talking about, for sure. Mm. I think that this will be an ongoing conversation, Uh and I hope that people will uh, ask us some questions or give us their opinions. Or give us your tips. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. How do you save money at the grocery store? You've got to tighten the belt a little bit, but still buy things that are worth your family eating. Yeah. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. Okay, Aislinn, I don't want you to goof around with this question. We've talked about AIP all night. (laughs) We've talked about food that's good for you and food that's not good for you all night. But right now, the random question of the week is, what's the ultimate ice cream sundae? The ultimate ice cream sundae? Yeah. I thought ice cream sundaes were a very specific thing with like vanilla ice cream and fudge and nuts and cherry on top and whipped cream. You just described a fudge sundae. What's the ultimate ice cream sundae? Because you could have said butterscotch, and you could have put bananas on it, and you could have but said that's strawberry, a, strawberry sundae. That's a banana sundae. split. Okay, then definitely it's a fudge sundae then. Just the basic... So describe it to me. The basic sundae. It's a vanilla ice cream yeah. with 
fudge. Okay, so ultimate. All right, all right, all right. So let's go with some birthday cake ice cream. cream? There we go. Now we're birthday playing. cake ice cream. Okay. With fudge, hot fudge drizzled over the top of it. Nice. And then you're gonna put some pecans on top of it, really well crushed up pecans. Okay. And then you're gonna put some really delicious homemade coconut whipped cream on top of it. Coconut whipped cream. Yeah. And then you're gonna put a real maraschino cherry on top of it. Not one of those fake plastic Grenadine. tasting yeah. things, like a real one. That sounds pretty on good. On top of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what mine's going to be. Sounds like you're describing your marble slab creamery order. That's actually strawberries with cut strawberry, like when they mix it up. But they... that's not the ultimate ice cream sundae? But that's not an ice cream sundae. See, I'm very, like an ice cream sundae is a very specific thing to me. So it's one flavor of ice cream, a topping or two. A, no, a drizzle, a drizzle and then like nuts crumbled on top of it okay. to me and whipped cream and okay. a cherry on top that's that's a sunday to me there are very few sundays that i'm gonna say no thank you to first of all but if i were creating the ultimate well like if you're having a kid's sunday party and you're just putting crap all over the top of your sure yeah like i guess i understand what you're saying but i still think i would pretty much go with like the fudge okay i'm gonna go with a coffee flavored ice cream Mm-hmm. Is this, mm-hmm. Does that still count or does it need to be vanilla? Yeah, you can do whatever. Well, I had, had birthday, I had birthday cake, cake right. ice cream. I'm going to go coffee ice cream, a chocolate drizzle, fudge drizzle, chocolate sprinkles. Uh-huh, okay, you see okay. where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. I put coconut And drinks, I'm not going to put whipped cream on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess unless that could be the cream in my coffee. No, I don't want whipped cream on my ultimate yeah. Sunday. So coffee, chocolate, chocolate sprinkles. I like toasted coconut sprinkles on top of things. So there's that too. I like coconut. And I like fudge. That sounds good. When I went to that prayer group meeting thing the other day, it was really interesting because a lot of people were having conversations about some of the big shifts that they're making in their life are about diet because of like inflammation and, you know, like... At the end of the day, it's all the same conversation. It's all about autoimmune symptoms, basically. I was having a conversation yeah. with someone that I know and is very dear to me about someone that I know and is very dear to me, and this other person said something that surprised me. I immediately called you, and you said, get off the phone and go do something more important. <laughs> but this person said, there will be a day. Oh, because we're understanding that is the food we eat up makes to us sick. The food that they're eating <laughs> Is too high concentrated in like a fast food trash. Yeah. Unit. Sugar and crap. And that's going to be when she gets to a place where she has to cook more. Mm-hmm. I said, or when she gets sick. Yeah, that's usually it. And that's what's going on is that people are getting sick. And she was very proud. She had made a plant-based ice cream. And she was sad when she found out I couldn't eat. Even oh, that boy. I couldn't eat because it was made with a cashew. Someday. Yeah, cream. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I have tomatoes turning red right now little tiny cherry tomatoes but i i have tomatoes turning red right now coming soon the cost of food well thank you so much for listening to another episode of dinner table talks we will be back next monday with a fresh episode in the meantime hit us up on social media send us an email dm us whatever we want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>